Good evening and welcome to Thursday Night Tailgate, where NFL legends live. Join us tonight as we get more legendary stories from former players and coaches who were in the huddles, on the sidelines, and in the locker room. Plus insights from media members from around the country who have covered the game for decades. Check out our five-star picks of the week with former Patriots Pro Bowl running back Tony Collins. Plus, our spotlight on the positive segment. And here's some good things for a change about what players and teams are doing in their communities. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari. Go get them, guys. Hello, folks, and thank you for tuning in to Thursday Night Tailgate, where your favorite NFL legends live. Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari here with you. And folks, since you may not have time to listen to the full two-hour episodes each week, we've cut the show into individual guest segments for you, so you can pick out and listen to your favorite ones. To stay up to date with what our guest schedule looks like, go online to our website at ThursdayNightTailgate.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and enjoy this segment of the show. You're listening to Thursday Night Tailgate with Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazari, where NFL legends live on. Back to you, boys. Damn, he's a lot. And now back with us here on Thursday Night Tailgate is former Bills, Panthers, and Packers wide receiver and Aurora University head coach Don Beebe. Let me remind you about Don's background. He's from Aurora, Illinois, and he attended Caneland High School in Maple Park, Illinois, where he was a three-sport star lettering in track, basketball, and football. Started out his college career at Western Illinois University, later transferred to Chadron State College out in Nebraska, where he ran track and played football. Despite only being there for one year, he became the first person in school history to score a touchdown in every game. He was also the first to score five touchdowns in a game, set the single season record for most touchdowns with 15, most points with 90, and most all-purpose yards with 1,663. In track, he set the NAIA District 11 record in the 60-yard dash. The Omaha Herald named him the 1989 State College Athlete of the Year, and he was inducted into Shadron State's uh, Athletics Hall of Fame back in 2000, and their football stadium is now named in his honor. He was invited to the NFL Combine, where he ran a 4-4-40, fastest among the wide receivers. He was a third-round pick, but was the Bills in the 1989 draft, and he played in the league from 89 to 97 for the Bills, Panthers, and Packers, and was a part of the Packers' Super Bowl 31 championship team. And we're very excited he is back with us again tonight here on Thursday Night Tailgate. Hey, Don, Chris, and Bob, Happy New Year. Thanks for coming back on Welcome the show. Back. <laughs> That's an impressive uh, read-off there, Chris. <laughs> I, it was almost 99% true. I mean, but that was good. <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing? Uh, we're good fantastic, Don. How are you? How have you been dealing with all this COVID craziness? <laughs> like everybody else, just dealing with it. You know, as as Coach Levy would always say, when it's tough for everybody else, it's just right for us. So uh, we're making the most of it. We'll play a conference tournament schedule of five games this spring, and then we'll hopefully get back to normal with uh, the fall of 21. 
Don, I actually want to start by um, inquiring about your son, Chad, a great wide receiver for the Vikings, fought back from a, an ankle injury in 2019, had 20 receptions, a couple touchdowns this season, including seven catches uh, for 63 yards and a touchdown against Carolina, had a touchdown in the last game of the season in Detroit. Talk about Chad. How's he doing? You know, Chad has a – I mean, I had an incredible story of coming from nowhere, uh, you know, as you, as you well, just read off. Um, and being the Phil's, Phil's first pick in the 89 draft, but my son's story is actually way more inspiring to, in the sense of just never giving up. He, he went 10 years in a row from his sophomore year in high school all the way to his second year in the league of reconstructive surgery every year or a major injury that kept him out. He's never had a healthy season, ever, and yet he just finished his third year. This is his first year, his 11th, uh, since his sophomore year in high school, that he had uh, no injury and played every game. So quite an inspiration of a lot of setbacks, but yet he just keeps picking himself off the mat and refuses to give up on his dream, and he's living it. Good for him. That's a great story. Don, I want to get your thoughts on the the conference championship games last Sunday with two of your former teams having a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, didn't work out for either one of them. But what was your assessment from what you saw in those games? You know, first of all, the four best quarterbacks in the league this year were all playing last weekend, you know, and which just is a bit of testament to uh, if you if you want to win a Super Bowl, you got to have a great quarterback. I mean, you can think about all the quarter, all the Super Bowls up to this point, how many have actually won it without a great quarterback. You'd probably count them on one hand. So, you, you know. So it's it, it's it was fun to watch uh, some of the greats to ever play, uh, the greatest to ever play in Tom Brady. I don't think anybody can argue that anymore. Um, and it's going to be a real interesting Super Bowl, and I think it's a fun one to watch because I think you're 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 going to see obviously two two of the best to ever play, one really old, one really young. I think you're going to watch the I think one of the greatest offensive minds to ever coach, certainly in today's game the best play-calling, play-designing coach, Sandy Reid. And um, and I just – I just there's a reason they're there. I mean, these are two great teams. Don, I got, I got to ask you, as a head coach now, one of the things that, that drives me crazy, and I know it was driving a lot of my friends that are Buffalo Bills fans, what drove them crazy watching the game is when you leave, Pat Mahomes completed 22 of his 29 passes to either Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. And during that game, I just – I couldn't understand. I was watching it and thinking, why don't the Bills double both of those guys and make someone else beat them? You know, why let those, why let Kelsey off the line of scrimmage? That sort of thing. Is, is that too simplistic a thought? How, how would you defend against those two guys? Well, first of all, it's, it's tough to double two, uh, especially a guy like Kelsey that can play in and out. I mean, he can, he can be moved all over the field. Uh, and Tyreek is just an explosive guy. I mean, he's, top five in the league, the explosiveness. And, and so it's really hard. You can take one guy out uh, with a cover nine or a cover seven, you know, defense. Uh, you can bracket him. You can play over the top. Uh, but it's tough to do that to two guys because you're really now taking away in any guy, especially a guy like Andy Reid. I'm going to tell you guys, if the Bills would have tried to do that, they would have exploited the Bills' defense in some way, shape, or form, you know, differently. Now. I will say this, 
that knowing that Patrick going into that game wasn't probably 100% with the turf toe and other things that were going on. I mean, gosh, or whatever, but, um, but especially the turf toe, you didn't, you probably would have said he's probably not going to be the running quarterback that he had normally had been in the past. So that would have taken that out of the place if you were going to try to do the coverages that you were talking about taking those two away. But that's, that's really hard to do. These guys are pro athletes now, you know? Right. Five questions for Don. Don, it's uh, great to speak with you again and, and welcome back. And uh, with, We've been on a topic of coaches, and I was looking at some of your early ones when you came into the league. You had mentioned Marv Levy, but I was looking at the rest of that coaching staff, Don. Guys like March Broda and Nick Nicolau, who uh, he had UConn roots up here, very popular up here in New England. He had Ted Cottrell on that team. But a guy like March Broda, I brought him up on this show a lot. You know, I, I think people remember him as a fairly unsuccessful head coach. He had a few good years, but uh, he, uh, every guy we've spoken to said there is not a better guy than Marcia Broda, and he knew his stuff. And, and just comment, comment on guys like Ted and Nicola when you came into the league. Well, I mean, let's, let's talk Ted first. Um, you know, you're right. Ted is, Ted Marcia Broda was one of the finest human beings there is. I mean, I would put him, I mean, in that category of Coach Levy. Coach Levy is one of the finest human beings you'll ever meet. Um, so in that respect, yes, like 100%. And I, I would also say that, you know, there's certain personalities and, you know, you that you're, you're a coordinator, you're not a head coach, or you're a head coach and you're not really a coordinator. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, uh, be both, even though there's been people that have done it, like Mike Holmgren. I played for Mike, and he was head coach slash offensive coordinator. He's one of the very few that can pull that off. Andy Reid is another example. But I don't think that's real common. Um, not a lot of great coordinators become, you know, great head coaches. Not a lot of Heisman Trophy quarterbacks become great NFL quarterbacks. Um, so there, there's just a different moxie and makeup that, that, you know, you have to have to be a great you know, head coach or quarterback, let's say. Nick Nicolau is one of my favorite human beings ever. He was a, a, a rare individual. You know, this this five nine Portuguese guy that knew his stuff inside and out, uh, studied the position, coached for a long time. Um, he was a man I loved, I'll be honest with you. Without Coach Nicolau, I'd never probably played in the league. Who knows? He was the one that really kind of gave me my shot. Um, and he was a guy I highly admired. And then when he passed away, I made sure I made a trip out to the Boston area to be at his funeral and pay him the respects. Don, I, I'm sure uh, you've saw, I've watched some pro games um, this season, and, and, and it's been happening for a while, and I don't think I'm exaggerating when I'm saying the amount of drop balls uh, is just mm-hmm. increasing. Now, I'm not sure if it's just, Trying to do ESPN things? Is it the gloves? Is it trying to run before they catch? Is it a combination of everything I just said? Uh, what do you see, Don, as far as the amount of drops? And this is even being done by good players. Yeah, I think, first of all, you're throwing a lot more. Okay, so, you know, oh, yeah. what used to be 20 passes, 25 passes were a lot. Now it's 50, 40. You know, so you're seeing a lot more throws. So there's going to be a lot more, obviously, I mean, drops. Um, but I, I would say, I, I, I was thinking the same thing watching 
the games this year. Um, and, and I think sometimes they, they, they've kind of, there's always trend. Okay. We, let's get the really big six, three, six, four body, big guy that, you know, that might be able to run as well. Uh, that's not a great catcher of the ball, uh, as opposed to maybe a, a slot guy that is, has great mobility, great route runner and tremendous ball catcher, but he's going to move the chains like a Beasley. Okay. Um, you know, so the, I, I think that trend has gone to trying to get, trying to find that six two, six three, six four receiver, uh, that may not have the ball skills, but they, they're big bodies and they just throw it up to them. No, uh, to me, I, I'm, I would try to find both of them. You know, uh, yeah, in today's game, the, the slot has become a huge thing. And I think that Bills, back in our day, Andre was kind of one of those first slot guys. Uh, and that no-huddle offense has morphed into what it is today with the four and five receiver sets. I mean, we were strictly at three receiver sets, but we had great tight ends and, you know, we had Thurman Thomas. Um, but today's game is just, it's a different game. And you're going to see all different levels of uh, types of court, uh, wide receivers, I should say. But I think the main reason is they're just passing a lot more, so you're going to see a lot more drops. And, Don, let's take that last bit uh, uh, you know, a step further because, I, I mean, I know the rules have changed and you can't touch guys and, you know, we're trying to make the game safer for sure, so going over the middle isn't as dangerous as it was when you played. But does the game have to change? I mean, I still think, if you've got a great running game and a great defense, you're going to win. You're going to win your fair share of games. You may win yourself a Super Bowl. But it seems like, and, and you know, you know me, Don, as a as a Steeler fan. I mean, you talk about you know throwing throwing the ball 40 times. We just saw Ben Roethlisberger throw it 65 times. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it seems like it has just swung so the other way. But I don't think that means that run the running game and a great defense still isn't the recipe to win championships. Am I wrong? Am I just an old guy telling? people to get off my lawn? <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, the game is, is definitely, you know, morphed into what it is today. I'm, I'm a kind of guy like Mike Holmgren. He used to, his philosophy when he got in the red zone, he was strong. And I mean, if you think about this logically, okay, the ball's at the eight yard line, let's say. Uh, to, for me, I'm going to throw it probably three times. I'm going to attack that end zone with the pass three times. Instead of wasting a run, okay, that gets two yards, and I just wasted it down because the defense is more compact. The safeties are up at the shorter side, of, shorter you know area of the field. Going to be more guys in the box, most likely. Most teams actually go man when you get down there, especially, and so it's harder to run it in. Why don't you just take three chances at, at the end zone? You know, that's my philosophy now. Obviously, if they empty out the box, you got four receiver, your ten personnel, four receiver set. Uh, you know, then you might take that chance. But man, that's why I would, I would try to get a quarterback that that has legs that can run. Okay, and the, and it certainly is starting to get into that more and more every year with that Cam Newton type of player. That now you spread out with five wide receivers, and then you get the scoreback and the empty the box. Now that's where I would do, and that's where I would run, and that's what we do, you know, at Rural University. Let me ask you, sort of in that same sort of scenario that you mentioned, as you're down inside 
the 10-yard line. Seems like we saw that play late in the game between the, the Chiefs and the Bills where Kelsey gets in the, you know, lines up on the line of scrimmage. You know, a lot of traffic running around. He sort of delays there at the line and then slips out. And there's, there's, there's not a bill, it seems like, in the same area code as he catches that, you know, little flick pass from Mahomes and walks yeah. into the end zone. How does a play like that happen? Is that a blown coverage? Is that a, you know, the tight end becomes unaccounted for? Is that somebody that missed what they were, their assignment, what they're supposed to do? How does that happen? That play drove me nuts. Yeah, it's actually, I, again, it's just a great, it's just a great call by Andy Reid. I mean, it is something that's been in the playbook. I've seen him run it probably four times now in the last two years. And it's something that when you get down there and he will spread you out, he'll get the box, if he sees what he likes, okay? And, and obviously Mahomes and any NFL quarterback that's worth anything can always check off for Omaha the call and go to the other side. And so it, that's the benefit of having somebody like that type of quarterback that can make these reads, get into the right play. That's what makes the Brady's, the Peyton Manning's, and the Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees's of the world, you know, because they're just smarter than you, okay? And there's really nothing the defense <laughs> can do about it because, you know, you can only run and do so much on the defensive side of the ball and offensively you can see what you're doing, audible it out. And that's why you sometimes – pre-snap guys, you'll see the play change two or three times before the ball's even snapped. Peyton Manning's playing. He used to do that all the time. So I'm sure they got the look that they like. Okay, if it, it typically down there, it's a man uh, deal, and all, all you have to do with the center of the guard, depending on the, what the front is, is you just you combo up to the guy that's playing Kelsey, Kelsey man-to-man, and you just pick him off and he walks in. You know, it's, it's, it's not difficult when you got a quarterback that can get you in the right call, and he's really an offensive coordinator on the field. That's a dangerous thing and tough to stop. Don, you mentioned earlier that um, your team is getting ready to play now. You're, I think, 51 days until your first game. You mentioned that five-game sort of tournament. Talk about the abbreviated schedule and uh, you know what we can look forward to from Aurora football this season. Well, I, you know, again, let's talk quarterback. I, I you know, our quarterback last year threw 57 touchdowns in 11 games. Wow. And he, wow. Was, the, he was the third vote getter in the Gillardy Trophy, which is the Heisman for Division Three. He's the only junior coming back. He's the front runner uh, of uh, coming back. Um, and he's a guy that has developed into like a, a time, Tom Brady mentality. And, and I have all the trust in him and, and he goes into a game, and it's just really hard to stop because if he sees five in the box, he's going to run it. He's going to just take off. If he sees six in a box, he's going to pick out the guy that he wants to throw it to. So, you know, guys, I, I love what we have. He's going to be a senior next fall. And, um, and I think with, with him at the helm, in the, in the, we got a left tackle transfer from U of I to 6'6", six, six, you know, 330. We got a right tackle that transferred from Arizona State. He's six five three oh five. I mean, our offensive line is ridiculously big. And so I, I just I like our chances. I like our team. I like the chemistry. Um we just gotta be able to get through this COVID thing and get this thing rolling in the twenty one. Because I'm pretty excited about this team. So talk about you know, give your give your quarterback some props. Is this a guy that 
you know, may find his way as a, whether he gets drafted late and, you know, in, in the draft, he, he gets uh, an opportunity as an undrafted free agent. Talk about who he is and what his opportunity is at the next level. Well, he's, I mean, he's going to, he's a little short. I mean, he's, I call him Drew Brees of Division Three. You know, he's a 5'10 guy, <laughs> uh, 190. I mean, he's well put together and he can throw. I mean, guys, this guy can make throws. Uh, I would saw, probably see him as a better fit. Uh, um, in the Canadian League, I mean, he's a he's a Doug Flutie type uh, player. I mean, you can't touch him. He's a water bug back there, and he's got an arm. I mean, he's got a cannon of an arm. Um, any, I, I think any Canadian team that picked this kid up would get a really nice quarterback. That's for sure. So he'll, yeah, I'm sure he's going to try to make his shot, and you just never know. You never know. You just got to please one guy. Give everybody his name so they can be looking out for him. Sure. His, his, uh, his name is Gavin Zimmelman, and right. um, he'll be a senior next year. And, uh, you know, they could just look up on Division Three national stats and the poll, uh, the Gallardi Trophy deal. He was third in the balloting last year. And like I said, he's kid's a stud. And the cool thing about it is that his junior year, in 2018, he threw 12 touchdowns and had no confidence, you know, and I just remember coaching him, and after the third day, he would just shell up, and I always tell people, and I, you know, recruits, and just, or if I'm out publicly speaking, you know, I, I'm not, you know, this may sound crazy, but, uh, you know, you, to me, X's and O's and talent, it's important, don't get me wrong, but the most important thing is is character, and, and just believing in yourself that you can do an amazing things. I'm a living example of that. My son's a living example of that. There's a lot of guys I could point out that have played in the NFL that when you looked at him, you know, that guy don't look so good, you know, athletic or whatever. And then there's freaks too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, guys like Robert Quinn, I've trained Robert. Robert's about six, four and a half, runs a four, five, nine, forty, and <laughs> it's ridiculous. You know, 272 pound guy. But then there's guys like Mike Singletary and, you know, Zach Thomas and guys that really Don Beebe, he, that guy's a pro athlete. Really? But they just, <laughs> bottom line, they just make plays. And that's, and that's what Gavin Zimmerman is. The guy just flat out makes plays. Bob, one more for Don before we let him go. Hey, sure. Don, you had mentioned Andre Reed and, uh, he actually will be turned 57 years old tomorrow. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's amazing to me. Like you said, uh, a guy like him, um, a Hall of Famer, Don. I mean, out of Cutstown, fourth round draft pick. Uh, obviously, caught close to a thousand balls for over thirteen thousand yards. That's why he's in Canton. But what other qualities made him a Hall of Famer? Well, first of all, he should have been a first first ballot guy. I mean, how mm -hmm. a guy like him takes as long as that to get in in my mind. Now, again, there's a lot of a lot of great receivers that are still on the board, you know. But but Andre, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, and I say this all the time. People ask me, well, who do you think the greatest wide receivers are to ever play? Well, I always say Jerry Rice first. That's a no-brainer. And uh, and I always say Andre Reid. Andre Reid's one of the best wide receivers to ever play a game. You know, I know he's in the Hall of Fame. I get it. But he deserves more credit than he got. He had zero weakness. I mean, absolutely no weakness. Okay, he's explosive off the ball. He can catch everything. Tough as nails. Um, great route runner. Great run after the catch guy. Uh, I, I, the only knock you could ever say, well, he didn't have that, you know, 
four 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 three speed. Well, I don't remember ever seeing Andre get caught either. So he had enough speed to to, to play in the National Football League. So uh, he incredible wide receiver. I mean, just incredible. Um, so and I played with two Hall of Famers. I mean, Lofton's right up there as well, and there's two great human beings. Uh, what I would say about both of those guys is longevity and how well they took care of their body. When you look at Andre now, you know, turning 57, he, he literally looks like he could still play. I mean, it's crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Andre and James is the same way. Both their body fats when we were playing, I think we're in the three or 4% body fat. That's crazy. You know, so it was, we had a lot of fun. That's all I can tell you guys. We had that team had a lot of fun. Don, before we let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's at Aurora or it's uh, with your speed camps? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the best way, actually, just go to DonBB.com, guys. DonBB.com kind of tells everything I'm doing. and so in the, Or RoarUniversity.edu, if they want to learn more about Aurora University football. Any great recruits out there, guys? Send my way, man. We'll take New Yorkers, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Don, you're fantastic, my friend. We can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. We hope you come back and join us again soon, and we wish you a heck of a lot of luck uh, in this conference tournament coming up here in a few weeks. Yeah, any anytime, guys. I appreciate it. Great speaking with you. All right. Take bye-bye. care, Don. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Good night. That's a great Don Beebe, Bob. Uh, you know, you want to talk about underrated guys, and uh, he certainly gave a lot of credit to Andre Reed. Don was a, a heck of a player and a heck of a speedster, and we've we've heard heard the story a couple of times about how uh, Chris Dishman, who's another great friend of the show, covered Don early in his career, heard heard about the legendary speed, wasn't sure it was real, and then got burned for I think it was a 63 yard touchdown when he uh, tried to press him to see uh, how fast the kid was, and uh, he lived up to the billing. Yeah, he uh, was a special guy. I think I, I, I mistakenly called him an underachiever. He was an underrated overachiever. That's what I was trying to say. There that's you what go. Don Beebe, and that's what his son is too, Chris. I mean, he, he mentioned those two guys are almost exactly the same size, but Beebe was a track guy and uh, made a lot of guys, and, and Chris Dishman shouldn't feel uh, too bad because he didn't, just do it to Chris. He did it to an awful lot of guys who came up to Buffalo. <laughs> All right. We've got our next guest, Tony Collins, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Tony on the other side of this real quick station break. 